whatever the problem, whatever the situation, when you speak the name of Jesus, that means he can take care of all of it. If you need a healer, he purchased stripes on his back with a cat of nine tails to purchase your healing. If you need deliverance, he was anointed to bring deliverance to the captive. If you need provision, he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. When you speak the name of Jesus, it encapsulates all that he is, all that he was, all that he ever will be. I'm glad to know that name today. How about you? How about you? I really feel like the Lord has given me direction as far as concerning what to preach today. Typically, uh, ghost moving like it was this morning. I would turn it loose, but I feel very strongly to preach today. And so I'm going to obey the Lord. Turn with me in your Bibles to 1 Kings chapter 8. We will read verses 22 through 24. Then we will turn to Isaiah 55 and read verses 8 through 11. I'll do my best today to be mindful of the time. And um, I'm believing the Lord to help us this morning. Is anybody thankful for what you're feeling in this house today? Anybody thankful for the sweet presence of the Lord that's here in this place? I uh, was praying this morning, finishing up a message for today. Never preached this. Wished it was more uh, fleshed out, but I'm going to obey God. I was thinking this year about the church how that when the prodigal made up his mind to leave, uh, he left a fully functioning farm and household. Servants and everything was working in order. It was producing. It was productive. It was a fruitful house. And um, the prodigal leaves, takes his portion of the inheritance and goes and Wastes it all on riotous living with him, citizens in the far country. But when he come to himself and got tired of living in the pig pen, made up his mind that I'm, I don't even have anything to eat. And the servants in my father's house, they've got bread to spare. He purposed in his heart that he was going to come home. That father that household, that family. Thank God they kept it all in working order. Thank God. You know, I was in California for almost two years. Uh, is this all right today? I'm going to obey the Holy Ghost this morning. I was uh, missing my mother's cooking. <laughs> you know, they, they've got good food out there. They've got great Asian food, Indian food, and I like all that. But I, I had, y'all will appreciate this, I had a hankering. That's Oklahoma word, I think. <laughs> I'm an Oklahoman, so that's, that's what you're getting today. 
I had a hankering for some of her fried chicken, and I, I was craving it. Uh, my mother, she is a phenomenal cook, spoiled. And um, it had been, it'd been, oh, my Lord, over a year since I'd had any. And I'll, I'll never forget we are coming in to visit, and my mother said, I want to cook you a meal. Is there a, anything you're hungry for? And I said, yes, ma'am. <laughs> She said, I already know. You don't even have to tell me. And we drove, my parents' drive. My driveway is uh, half a mile long almost, gravel road. They live on 20 acres. And I remember turning off of 4060 onto the gravel drive, driving up in the driveway. And I stepped out of the vehicle. I heard my dad's coon dogs barking. And I just felt like home. But there's something about it. I opened up that door to the house. And I smelled that fried chicken cooking. And I felt a familiar feeling of warmth and felt welcome. Hey, that, that's what I want the prodigal to feel like when they walk back into the church this year. I'm going to tell you, somebody, somebody needs to declare today that I see someone coming home. I feel it in the Holy Ghost. I said, somebody needs to start declaring that this year. That we're going to see somebody coming home. And when they walk into the doors of the house, I want them to feel that same Holy Ghost. I want that same aroma of consecration and anointing and prayer to be in this sanctuary. Is there anybody made up your mind? I'm staying in the Father's house this year. But not only that, I'm going to do my best to make it the same place that the prodigal left. Hallelujah. We got to keep having church. Amen. I give honor to Brother Dykes today, Sister Dykes, their wonderful family and children. Love each and every one of them. Love my wife and family today. Uh, all of the wonderful saints of God, we have missed you. And, uh, you know, it's, it's just not fair. Y'all are, y'all are about the best. And uh, we, we so much enjoy being here. We're so glad to be back. And I love this church. I always say it's hard to have church without saints. What a what a privilege. I'm going to do my best to get out of the way today. And uh, y'all are going to have an anointed Holy Ghost preacher tonight. I have never been in a service with Brother Alviar where the Holy Ghost did not fall in a powerful way. He's just, he's just got the Holy Ghost on him. He's so mightily anointed and used of God. And um, looking forward to this year to be a great year of revival. I'm believing with great faith and expectation that God has great things in store. Can somebody say amen? Do my best to be mindful of the time today. 1 Kings 8 and 22. And Solomon stood before the altar of the Lord in the presence of all the congregation of Israel and spread forth his hands toward heaven. And he said, he said, Lord God of Israel, there is no God like thee in heaven above or on earth beneath who keepest covenant and mercy with thy servants that walk before thee with all their heart. Who has, everybody say, kept. Kept with thy servant David, my father, that thou promised him. Thou spakest also with thy mouth. And what a revelatory statement. He said, and hast fulfilled it with thine hand. As it is this day. Turn to Isaiah 55 and 8. Isaiah 55 and 8. 
For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain cometh down, and the snow from heaven, and returneth not thither, but watereth the earth, and maketh it bring forth in bud, that it may give seed to the sower, and bread to the eater, so shall my word be. That goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void. But it shall accomplish that which I please. And it shall prosper in the thing whereto I sent it. What I have for you today that the Holy Ghost has given me. It's very simple. But I I feel very much comfortable in the will of God today. And I want to preach God always keeps his word. God always keeps His Word. I I want you to stretch your hands toward this pulpit and let's pray together that God would connect us in the Holy Ghost. Pray that, that faith would rise in this place. We know that faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. But let me tell you something about faith preached from the pulpit. It's got to be received in the pew. And I'm, a, I'm asking this church today, to mix your faith with the Word of God. And I'm believing today is going to be a day of great, great miracles. Would you lift up your hands and pray all over this house? Come on, just stretch them to this, stretch them toward this podium. God, I pray that you would connect us in the Spirit. God, help me to preach, not, not just a message or a sermon, but God, it is my desire to plug in and tap into the vein of the Spirit and preach to the heartbeat of this church. Help me, God, to minister under the anointing. Fill my mouth, Lord. Loose my tongue. God, I pray you touch my body today. Touch my voice, Lord. Give me strength to preach this as strong as I feel it. And God, we're believing you for great things. And everybody said in the name of Jesus. Somebody say amen. Thank you so much for standing. You may be seated. God always keeps his word. Woodrow Wilson won the re-election in 1916, and uh, every president, they'll typically have a slogan. For example, uh, President Trump, he made famous, make America great again. And so in 1916, uh, this was a deal as well, Woodrow Wilson won the re-election with a slogan that He kept us out of war. And uh, he made this slogan only to enter World War I a year later. (laughs) October uh, 1940, Franklin Roosevelt promised, this is a quote, he said, I've said this before, but I shall say it again and again, your boys are not going to be sent into any foreign wars. And then again, a little over a year later, the United States entered into World War II. 1964, Lyndon Johnson Promise, he said, we're not about to send American boys nine or 10,000 miles away from home to do what boys ought to be doing for themselves. And five months later, uh, the first Marines landed in Vietnam. George H.W. Bush, uh, he famously promised in 1988, he said, read my lips, no new taxes, only to sign a bill raising the taxes during his first and only term. And, and we're so used to politicians not keeping their promises that really these broken promises, they don't even phase us. 
But, but my reason for pointing this out today is to illustrate the fact that there is a difference between a promise speaker and a promise keeper. Hallelujah. Anybody can be a promise keeper or speaker because unfortunately when it comes to promises, uh, words are really cheap. And it's, it's altogether too easy to allow our mouths to overextend our resources. And uh, we say that we're going to do something. We even have good intentions of actually doing it. Only to find ourselves in that place where life happens. And, and the thing that we said we would do just falls through the cracks. Uh, albeit most of the time it's unintentional. When that happens, we end up being promise speakers rather than promise keepers. There's a sociology theory that attempts to explain this behavior. I want you to listen to this. It's very interesting. Theory tells us that sometimes saying that you're going to do something is just as satisfying to your self-image as actually doing it. And publicly saying that you're going to act, it provides a certain level of self-image enhancement, they call it. And they say that we're assured that other people now know that we're uh, we're inherently good in some meaningful way. And so the effect is we receive the benefit of the action before we ever actually carry through with the completion of the promise. And so when that happens, the act of actually keeping the promise brings a relatively small amount of personal satisfaction compared to the act of making the promise. Really, it's profound. And according to one study, they said our likelihood of carrying through with what we said, what we're going to do, goes down by as much as 30%. Because when we say that we're going to do something in the presence of others, we get that feeling of satisfaction that others, you know, know we're going to do something, and then we end up just not following through. And so in these cases concerning humanity, being a promise speaker is really more rewarding than being a promise keeper because you said you're going to do it. You get the benefit of it without actually having to follow through. But when Solomon stood in this newly built temple to, to dedicate it to the service of the Lord, he prayed a prayer of dedication, standing there in the courtyard in front of the altar of the Lord in the presence of the whole congregation of Israel. He spread his hands out toward heaven. He said, O oh Lord God of Israel, there is no God like you in heaven or on earth below. Is there anybody that feels that way today? There's nobody like our God. And next, he qualifies what it is that set God's, sets God's apart. He reminded God, as well as the assembled congregation, of the covenant faithfulness and the loving kindness of our God. And basically, he said, as long as your people walk before you with all their hearts, that, Lord, you shower us with steadfast love and mercy. Uh, you keep the covenants you've made with us. And then Solomon continues in the third verse by providing the evidence to support what he said. He reminds the Lord and the congregation that day that the promises that were made to David are being fulfilled. And standing in the court of the temple with the evidence of God's faithfulness all around him, he was literally standing in it, he began to praise God for doing what he promised he would do. But I want to turn your attention. He said that of the Lord, you have spoken it with your mouth and you have done it. You fulfilled it with your hand. And so this is the distinguishing characteristic that sets God apart from all others. Is that what he says with his mouth, he does with his hands. God is not just a promise speaker, but God is a promise keeper. 
God never fails. He's always faithful. Uh, He always does what he says he will do. And what sets him apart from us is that he does not derive any sense of satisfaction by simply saying he'll do something. No. Uh, But what satisfies God is the act of doing uh, what he said he would do. And I want to tell you that we can have confidence today. Paul said uh, that we can be confident that he which hath begun a good work in you uh, will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Uh, Amen. He's not just a promise speaker today, uh, but our God is a promise keeper. Joshua Moses, successor at the end of his life, uh, he could say, Behold, this day I'm going the way of all the earth, and you know in all your hearts uh, and in all your souls that not one thing... uh, Somebody say, not one thing. Not one thing hath failed of all the good things which the Lord your God spake concerning you. All are come to pass unto you, and not one thing hath failed thereof. I want to tell you today that I stand in confidence to preach to you that God has not failed in one thing concerning what he's promised you or what he has spoken. Not one thing. Everything God said he would do, he's done it. And he's going to do it. He's a promise keeper. Isaiah 55 and 8, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, my thoughts your thoughts. For as the rain cometh down, and the snow from heaven, and returneth not thither, but watereth the earth, and maketh forth it bring in bud, that it may give seed to the sower, and bread to the eater, so shall my word be, that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please and it shall prosper in the thing whereunto I sin it. What a promise today. What a promise. You see in ancient times in many ways rain was the difference in life and death. That the rain come uh, you could hope for good crops had to be at the right time of year and whether or not the rain came also determined if there would be enough food for the coming year and enough seed for the following year's crop. If the rain did not come The crop wasn't the only thing that was lost, but the seed was lost. So the absence of rain affected more than just the season of drought, but the loss of seed would reverberate through the following seasons. This is why drought would often give way to a famine. So the rain, we have to understand, is much more than just a a momentary blessing, but it it is an insurance of future blessings. The benefit of the rain extends beyond the season in which it falls. And Isaiah said that God's words, just like the rain, his promises, they accomplish their purpose and they cause us to prosper beyond the season in which the word is spoken. His promises, they're both a present tense kind of a blessing, a right now blessing, but also a future blessing to come. And in the days and months and even years that follow, that promise will reverberate through your life and you'll reap the blessings contained in it over and over and over again. God's word, his promises, they're just like the rain. And where the absence of rain results, in famine. The presence of rain results in prosperity. And so it is today with the promises of God. It blesses us over and over again. It ministers to us at our time of need, but also extends its blessing throughout the course of our lives. His word, it never returns to him until it accomplishes its full and complete purpose. Not one promise has fallen by the wayside. 
Not one word has ever failed to produce. If he says it, he does it. And if he speaks it with his mouth, he fulfills it with his hand. I want you to get this today. Listen listen to me. With God, the speaking of a promise cannot be divorced from the keeping of a promise. I'm going to say that again with God. The speaking of a promise cannot be separated with the keeping of a promise. In fact, the Hebrew word that is translated as promised in our text is the word debare. It means to speak or to say something. And so God's concept of a promise is that a word spoken is a word that is fulfilled. And it will not come back to him until it completes its purpose. And so when God speaks it, it's more than just a promise promise spoken, but it's a promise kept, even when the actual keeping of the promise is somewhere in the distant future. So I just want to remind us today, church, that if God said it, you can take it to the bank. I said, if God said it, you can take it to the bank. Second Corinthians 1 and 20, for all the promises of God are in him, yea, and in him, amen, under the glory of God by us. All the promises of God, they are yea and they're amen. If God said it, then God will do it. That's why the writer in Hebrews said in Hebrews 10 and 23 let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering for he is faithful that promised. The difference between the promises of man and politicians and the promises of God is that God is not just a promise speaker but God is a promise keeper. God is faithful to keep his word and if God speaks it with his mouth He'll do it with his hand. If you got a promise today, I want to just encourage you on a Sunday morning that if God gave it, you can count it like it's already done. Somebody's got to get a revelation of this today. Come on, that word promise, it means deep air, to speak or to say something to God. The fulfillment of a promise and the giving of a promise, they're the same thing because when God says it, it's as good as if it's all ready done. I come to tell somebody today, you may have a promise, you may have a prophecy, you may have a word from the Lord that's been spoken over you that God's giving you. I want to encourage you today. It may look like it's not going to happen. It may take a little time, but rest assured of the fact that if God said it, it's as good as all ready done. Come on, somebody lift up your voice and say it. Say it's already done. Come on, I want you to say it again. Come on, we got we to gotta get the gift of faith moving in this house today. Is there anybody that believes what I'm preaching today? I said if God speaks it, that's as good as him saying it's already done. Come on, I want you to lift up your hands right now. Come on, there's promises, there's prophecies, there's words from the Lord all over this house. Come on, I'm talking today to people that you've been given words from God. You've been given promises in your life. Come on, I'm telling you today that if God spoke it, you can hold on to the fact in the revelation that God cannot divorce the speaking of a promise with the keeping of a promise. When God says it, It's already done. Get out of here, doubt. 
Get out of here, unbelief. In the name of Jesus, come on. I feel something trying to move in this house today. I'm telling somebody in the Holy Ghost, it's time to stop worrying. It's time to stop fretting. It's time to stop allowing the devil entrance into your mind, your ear, and your spirit. If God spoke it, God's going to do it. I said if God said it, you can count it as it's already done. There was an article written, listen to this. There was an article written recently in a local newspaper called the Daily Corinthian. And a lot in downtown Corinth, Mississippi, North Mississippi. They cleared it in order to make way for a new bank complex. And for years and years, this lot had been covered by an ancient building that had housed numerous businesses. But in order to beautify the area... Uh, the building was completely leveled. The debris was hauled away. The only thing that remained to the former building was just a few bricks here there scattered around and then the bare earth that would soon become the pad for a new building. And listen, the demolition happened in November and the construction was scheduled to begin the following summer, but then it happened. As spring began, to be they... All of a sudden, they, they started going by this lot. And when spring brought that breath of new life, little green sprouts began to spring forth from the dirt uh, on that barren lot. And local residents were amazed in the following days as beautiful wildflowers uh, began to spring up all over the place. And in a short span of time, the lot was completely covered and overflowing with various colors and fragrances of these prolific wildflowers. It's amazing, said Dr. Uh, Lilia Scott Kelly, a retired horticulture professor with Mississippi State University, she identified the wildflower as a petunia multiflora and marveled this is what our grandparents planted. Alcorn County Extension agent Patrick Poindexter explained, seeds can stay dormant for years, but listen to this, uh, but under the right conditions, they can make a comeback. And so this beautiful expression of wildflowers on the lot, it was bordered by streets on all four sides. It was no accident. Hear me today. The space had been completely covered by asphalt in a building for over 60 years. But there was something about the seeds that was older than that. And Dr. Kelly explained, oh, my Lord. He said if the conditions are right, seeds can stay fresh for centuries. And apparently the conditions was right. Because somewhere in the distant past, somebody's grandma or even somebody's great-grandma seeded that plot of land with a variety of petunia that produces a self-perpetuating seed. That just means that it comes back every year. And nobody knows how many years ago those seeds were planted on that old vacant lot. But what we do know is that when they built the building and the parking lot covered that plot of ground for over 60 years, they built it on top of a field of seeds and all those seeds lay dormant in the soil for all those years just waiting on the promise to bear new life just waiting on the right opportunity to spring forth listen to what Poindexter explained Ghost thundered in my spirit when I read this. He said, All it takes is a disturbance of the soil for germination to happen. Seeds can lay dormant in the ground for years and years, and all it takes is for there to be a disturbance of the soil, and it can cause them to spring to life. When they tore that building down and they cleared that lot, they didn't know it. 
but they disturbed the soil in such a way that the promise that was dormant for years could suddenly come to pass. I'm telling you what I feel in the Holy Ghost for this year, that God is getting ready to give life to some dormant seeds of promise that have been buried in this church for a long time. you got to picture this in your mind. Come on, I want you to close your eyes and go there with me right now. Years ago, this field of dormant seeds, it was covered by gravel that had been laid down. Asphalt had been poured. Walls had been erected and a structure built. But the building was torn down. Somebody got a jackhammer out and it pierced through the layer covering those seeds. And the result that happened is the soil was disturbed and life brought up. I come to tell you what I'm reminded of. The Lord spoke to Jeremiah and said, It's not my word like a hammer that breaketh the rock into pieces. I believe the preached word of God disturbs those dormant seeds of promise and prophecy. You don't believe me in that valley of dry bones? In Ezekiel 37 the preacher started preaching and life was given. Breath was restored. Strength was renewed. And a promise was fulfilled. And so today I come to speak life. I come to speak faith and I come to declare to you church that God always keeps his word it doesn't matter how many years it's been it doesn't matter how much time has passed it don't matter if the seed has been covered up let me tell you about our God he's a promise keeper I said he's a promise keeper. If God said it, it's already done. You mark it down in your little black book, take it to the bank and cash it. His word will not return void. And I want to tell somebody in this house today, if God's given you a word, if he's spoken to you a seed of prophecy, if he's given you a promise, it will come to pass. A promise spoken with God is a promise kept. I don't know if you can feel what I'm feeling in this house today, but I feel something deep moving right now. It may take some time. It may look like it's never going to happen. They may pour gravel over it. They may pour asphalt. They may build a building. Oh, I come to tell somebody that does not destroy the seed. That does not destroy the seed. I'm preaching to people today. You got dormant seeds of promise in your life. Promises of healing, uh, restoration, deliverance, uh, salvation. Uh, you got promises uh, you've not seen come to pass yet. Backslidden children, backslidden family, words from the Lord, blessings, challenges, callings, ministries. Uh, but I want to remind you today that God always keeps his word. But today I did not just come to address the individuals. I come to address this church. And I want you to hear me in the Holy Ghost. There's been dormant seeds of prophecies and promises planted in this Tulsa area, in this community. Seeds all the way planted back by the Williams. And I just feel in the Holy Ghost that this is going to be a year that some of them seeds are going to sprout and begin to bring life. He called up a 
I'm not just preaching to those here today, but I'm preaching to dormant seeds of promise and prophecy that have been planted by First Apostolic Church. And I'm believing that those seeds are coming up in Jesus' name. We're claiming every promise. We're holding on to every prophecy. We're believing God to fulfill every word. Come on, don't let them run by themselves. Somebody ought to run today. Somebody ought to shout. Somebody ought to proclaim it. Somebody ought to believe it. Somebody ought to declare it. God always keeps his word. Come on, could you just lift your hands? Come on, could you just lift your hands right now? In the name of Jesus. Brother Jaden, you get that picture I sent you? I want you to get it ready. I was praying last night, studying for this message, and God began to deal with me. I'm going to tell you, we can't, we can't give up on the promises of God. I said, we can't give up on the promises of God. You, you think about it. That little old lady, I can just see her in my mind's eye, Sister Dykes, 80, 90, 100 years ago. She's seeding that, that, that ground, that plot. And all of a sudden, somebody come along one day and said, we're fixing to build a building on this. And they, they did the dirt work, poured the gravel, poured the asphalt. Come on, they, they put the mortar.